do the Bible, Hogwarts, disciples, and Dementors all have in common? This podcast. Welcome to the Gospel According to Harry Potter, a podcast for Potterheads, Jesus freaks, and everyone in between. My name is Ashley, and together we'll examine the entire Harry Potter series, chapter by chapter, through a biblical lens, looking for insights into Harry Potter from a Christian worldview and insights into real life from a wizarding worldview. So grab your favorite Harry Potter book, your go-to Bible translation, and maybe a mug of warm butterbeer and get ready to explore the wizarding world like never before. Hello and welcome back. I'm Ashley, the muggle behind the mic, and I am so excited to continue our journey through the Harry Potter series with you. Today we're discussing Chapter 5 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, but as usual, before we get started, I want to do a couple of reminders in case anyone is joining me for the very first time. So as I go through the recap of the chapter, you'll hear the word Lumos to alert you when I'm shining a light on a biblical element in the story. I'll also discuss Christianity from a mature biblical worldview, so I'll include any scriptural references in the show notes in case you have any questions or want to dig deeper into it on your own. And if you do have any questions about anything we discussed today, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram at Gospel According to Harry Potter, and I am more than happy to answer your questions or just engage in conversation with you. I'm really enjoying this new community that's starting to form over there, so I would love to hear from you. And as a brand new podcast, I also really appreciate you following the show, leaving a friendly review if you're enjoying it, and more than anything else, just telling your friends and family about it. I've heard before many times that word of mouth is the best way to spread a podcast. And so I'm counting on you guys who are listening to go out there and tell people about the gospel according to Harry Potter if you are enjoying it. And I know I am. So I'm really excited to get into this chapter. So let's go. Today we're reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling, Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. After the events of the last chapter, Harry wakes up feeling like it must have been a dream, like it's just too good to be true that he might actually be leaving the Dursleys and going to a school for wizards. But he's relieved to open his eyes and find that he's still in the hut on the rock and his new friend Hagrid is asleep on the couch. The narrator details kind of a whirlwind of new information that Hagrid shares with Harry. Everything from different denominations of wizarding coins and the existence of goblins and the fact that Harry's parents left him a load of money in the wizarding bank called Gringotts. As they travel by boat away from the hut on the rock, Hagrid tells Harry about the frightening security measures at Gringotts Bank, and then he explains how the wizarding world has a ministry of magic that governs the magical community and works hard to keep the muggles from finding out that magic even exists. Lumos. Secrets again. Perhaps one of the most commonly memorized verses in all of scripture is John 3.16, which says this, For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This verse reminds me that the gospel is for everyone. There are no secrets. There's no hidden agenda. There's no need to keep it hidden from the world. In fact, it's just the opposite. If you remember in episode four, we discussed the Great Commission, the command Jesus gave his followers to go out and tell the world about him. Tell the world the good news. 
Unlike the Wizarding World, which is reserved only for those with magical blood and it's kept hidden from everyone else, the Kingdom of God is an open invitation for anyone. A truly biblical church will welcome everyone. There are no secret rituals, no leveling up through the ranks in order to gain more information, and definitely no exclusion. I'm always super wary of any religious organizations that require any sort of leveling up to receive more information or have any secret ceremonies or rituals that are only done behind closed doors or organizations that exclude people in any manner. I just don't see anything in scripture that supports secrecy in the Christian faith. Jesus preached out in the open. He invited everyone. He welcomed everyone. He loves every human ever created, and he wants to be in a relationship with all of us. No statute of secrecy to be found. Knox. As they travel on the train to London, Harry goes over the supplies list that was included in his Hogwarts letter. It includes really strange supplies like cauldrons and potions ingredients and even a magic wand. Harry wonders out loud if all this magical equipment could be purchased in London, to which Hagrid cryptically answers, if you know where to go. Lumos. Fully equipped. I've had a lot of conversations with new Christians who are super excited to be saved and super eager to dive into this new Christian life, only to find themselves kind of frustrated when the so-called honeymoon phase is over and they're still left to live a life that can oftentimes be really challenging. How are we supposed to live? How do we respond to certain difficult situations? How am I supposed to live like Jesus when everything around me is so opposed to him? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul tells us this, Every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. In this letter, the Apostle Paul is teaching that every single Bible verse comes from God, and it equips us to live the life that he's called us to live. Now, while that may not make life magically easy, I mean, it's not Felix Felicis after all, it does make me feel a lot more prepared to face whatever might come my way. I'm going to give you a really personal example. I very recently went through a crazy rough couple of weeks in which one of my children was hospitalized and going through some scary stuff. And I was terrified, y'all. I was exhausted. I was furious that my child had to go through such a nightmare. But I was also equipped to handle it. Thanks to the truths I've learned from the Bible, I was able to find peace even in all that chaos. I was able to be strong even though I was physically, mentally, and emotionally drained. I was able to be brave, even though I was afraid. And that's all because of the equipping I've gotten through scripture. I was constantly speaking God's truth over the whole situation. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. Though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand at my right side, near me it shall not come." In my distress, I cried out to the Lord. To my God, I cried for help, and my cry reached his ears. These are all verses, some of them I paraphrased, that have planted in my heart so that I can recall them in times of trouble. In Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Guys, the world is dark and scary sometimes, and life gets really, really hard. But I can tell you from experience that the more attention I give to scripture, the more I'm able to navigate these rough spots in life unscathed. 
And I'm not talking about spending hours a day studying the Bible. I mean, 100% transparency here. Sometimes I go whole days without opening my physical Bible. But I do subscribe to a daily Bible verse, just one verse every morning that I start my day with. And I follow tons of Christian accounts on Instagram that interrupt doom scrolling with encouragement and scripture. I listen to Christian podcasts, and most importantly, I have godly friends who will speak scriptural truth to me when I'm struggling. I am fully equipped to live the life God has called me to live, and you can be too. If you're feeling like Harry, wondering where you're going to get everything you need to make good on your invitation to this new life, I'm telling you, you can get all of this if you know where to go. It's all in the Bible, free and for all. Knox. Hagrid and Harry stroll through London until they come to a shabby-looking pub called the Leaky Cauldron. When they enter, Harry is shocked to be recognized and greeted by a lot of witches and wizards, who have apparently been waiting eagerly to meet him all these years. Among these introductions is Professor Quirrell, who is described by the narrator as pale and twitchy. Harry learns that Professor Quirrell is to be his defense against the dark arts teacher at Hogwarts. Harry asks Hagrid if Quirrell is always that nervous, and Hagrid explains that he is said to have had bad experiences with vampires and hags and hasn't been the same since. After performing a complicated pattern of taps on the bricks behind the pub, the wall opens up into Diagon Alley, a wizarding shopping district that amazes Harry. As they make their way through Diagon Alley, Harry is amazed by all the different things he sees, but eventually they make their way to a large white building, Gringotts Wizarding Bank. The entrance is engraved with an ominous poem warning visitors not to attempt to rob the place, and Harry's in awe of the goblins that serve as doormen, guards, and tellers. Haggard produces a key to Harry's vault, as well as a letter from Albus Dumbledore about the, quote, you-know-what in Vault 713, end quote. Harry asks what this you-know-what is, but Hagrid says it's top secret. After a wild ride on a minecart, they reach Harry's vault, and he's astonished to find, quote, a small fortune belonging to him. Lumos. Where's your treasure? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus teaches, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wouldn't it be amazing to find out that you've inherited a treasure you didn't even know you had? I think it's really fun to imagine what it would be like to be Harry and suddenly have access to a vault full of gold galleons and silver sickles. But the treasure Jesus is talking about in these verses is different but I promise you, it's so much better. The treasures on earth are like Harry's. It might be money or material possessions or even fame or notoriety. And these things are all wonderful to have, but ultimately they're finite. Money runs out, material things get broken, lost or stolen, or even just go out of style. Fame is fleeting. So what is this heavenly treasure Jesus is talking about? I recently heard someone say that the only thing you can take with you to heaven is other people, and I love that. It reminds me that as much as I'd like to have all the stuff that makes life comfy and cozy, what really matters are the relationships I have with the people around me. Remember earlier, we talked about how the gospel is for everyone, and that God loves all the world so much that he sent Jesus to bring us all back to heaven. 
And in episode four, we talked about the Great Commission, the job Jesus gave us to share this good news with others. And I think this is how we store up treasure in heaven. Guys, our job while we're here on earth is to introduce people to Jesus, and our paycheck is bringing them with us to heaven. I can't think of anything better than spending an eternity of joy with all the people I know and love. I also want to emphasize that thieves can't get to that kind of treasure. In Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, Paul writes, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. See, Unlike Gringotts, heaven doesn't need goblins or dragons, spells or enchantments to keep thieves out. In fact, according to scripture, the gates of heaven stay permanently open. The treasure we store up there, all the people we bring with us, cannot be touched. Like these verses said, nothing can separate them from God's love that is revealed in Jesus. Knox. After Harry retrieves some of the money from his vault, they roller coaster down to Vault 713, where Hagrid removes a small package and tucks it away without explaining anything to Harry. Next, they visit Madame Malkin's robes for all occasions, where Harry is fitted for his school uniform. Here, he meets another Hogwarts student, a blonde, drawling, and uppity kid, who quickly turns Harry off with his snobby comments and insulting remarks about Hagrid. The boy succeeds in reminding Harry just how little he knows about the wizarding world, and Harry shares his insecurity with Hagrid. One of the things the boy mentioned that Harry didn't know about was Quidditch. Hagrid explains that it's a popular wizarding sport played on flying brooms, and Harry is amazed. After stopping to buy Harry's school books, his cauldron, potions, ingredients, and a pet snowy owl, it's time to visit Ollivander's to get Harry's magic wand. Mr. Ollivander is pleasant enough, but he makes Harry nervous, especially when he touches Harry's lightning-shaped scar and tells him he sold the wand that killed Harry's parents and left that scar. He collects a ton of measurements from Harry and then proceeds to have him try out different wands. Each wand is quickly snatched away by Ollivander, who gets more and more excited that Harry seems to be a difficult match. Finally, Ollivander has Harry try a holly and phoenix feather wand, and it's a match. Ollivander tells Harry that it's curious that Harry should be chosen by that wand because its brother was the one that gave Harry his scar. Lumos. The wand chooses the wizard. Okay, so just for fun, I decided to do the wand ceremony at wizardingworld.com. And if you've never done it before, I highly recommend it for any Potterheads out there. It's really fun. All you have to do is answer a few questions, and then you discover which wand chooses you. Well, the wand that chose me is Redwood Unicorn Hair Core, 10 inches long and pliant. Now, on the website, my wand is described this way, quote, Wand quality redwood is in short supply, yet constant demand, due to its reputation for bringing good fortune to its owner. As is usually the case with wand lore, the general populace have the truth back to front. Redwood wands are not themselves lucky, but are strongly attracted to witches and wizards who already possess the admirable ability to fall on their feet, to make the right choice, to snatch advantage from catastrophe, end quote. Okay, 
even though it's obviously total fiction, that description made me smile because I've actually had a lot of people in real life comment that I seem to be so lucky and that things always seem to work out for me. And they're right, but it's not luck. One of my favorite Bible verses is Romans 8, 28 which says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Yes, guys, things do seem to work out well for me a lot, but it's not because I'm lucky. It's a scriptural principle that is promised and it's accessible to anyone. I love God. I have been called by God to his purpose, which is my salvation in Christ. And that is why things always seem to work out okay for me in the end. He is working all things together for good for me. And that doesn't mean that my life is perfect. I just told you about that rough couple of weeks in the hospital, right? But it does mean that in the end, I can rest assured that I'm going to be okay and things are going to work out for my good. Let me explain. If I were living my life trying to do things my way, according to my purpose, there would be no guarantee that things would work out well. But because I love God, And because I've received his Holy Spirit, my way suddenly lines up with his way. And there's always a blessing when you're doing things God's way. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, a lot of people interpret this verse as though God is some sort of like magic genie. Like he's there to do our bidding and give us what we want. But I read this verse very differently. The psalmist is saying that when we take delight in the Lord by getting to know him and developing a relationship with him and really loving him, then he gives us our desires. Do you hear the subtle difference? He doesn't give us the desires we already had. He actually creates the desire in us. And when those desires come from God and line up with his purposes, then guess what? It's going to work out okay, redwood wand or not. Knox. After the long day of shopping, Harry and Hagrid have dinner together, and Harry confesses his misgivings that even though everyone seems to think he's special, he's worried he won't succeed at Hogwarts. Hagrid reassures Harry that he'll do just fine, but validates Harry's feelings by admitting that being singled out is always hard. Finally, Hagrid puts Harry back on the train to the Dursleys with a ticket for the Hogwarts Express leaving on September 1st, and in a blink, Hagrid is gone. And it is on that cliffhanger that we end chapter five. I am enjoying this so much. I really do recommend if you're into Harry Potter, going on to wizardingworld.com and doing that wand ceremony. It's just, it's fun, you know, to read all of the wand lore that J.K. Rowling supplied for the website. Um, It's just more to to the wizarding world, you know, more than you get in the books. Um, So that's a lot of fun. I might post a few things also on my Instagram and on my Facebook about the different wand cores. I would love to help you connect your wand core to some scripture. Um, So reach out to me if you are interested in that. I appreciate you listening. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. And I can't wait to see you next week where we read chapter six of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And until then, as always... Don't let the muggles get you down. Bye.